Well, like I did mention, uh, we are going to have cake to honor the graduates after uh, our worship service here this morning, um, after our time together. And it's uh, cake from Costco. So uh, some like that, some don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we'll have that to honor the graduates. And hopefully you stick around and get to know them a little bit and ask questions and uh, encourage them uh, more. But I'm going to label this season, frankly, uh, the, this last little week or a couple weeks, uh, cake season. Um, I have had cake on Friday night. I had cake last night. I think I'm going to have it for lunch today. Like, I had it a week ago at different things. You know, this is cake season with uh, open houses and celebrating graduates and celebrating all their accomplishments. Like Cece mentioned, it was my mother-in-law and father-in-law's 50th anniversary. We had cake there. Dan and Rose uh, Peerbolt's daughter, Jess, and now their new son-in-law, Noah, got married yesterday, and they had really good cake. I was actually seated in the corner. They put me and some others from Restoration, I think, in the corner. And uh, I thought, well, they put us in the corner. Why? And I'm like, oh, we're right next to the cake. So that's that is really good. But I, I, um, I actually enjoy these times, um, these times in our lives when after, at the end of a school year, at, the, at a significant point in someone's life, at uh, the beginning of a married life or later on, years later in married life, you get to see these pictures and you get to see how people have changed. And if you go back to your senior picture or your picture when you were first married or a, a baby picture, you're like, wow, so much has changed. So much ha- has changed over, the, over time. Your face might have changed a little bit. Your hairstyles, your different styles, different clothes that you wear uh, changed and then came back into style and then maybe changed it again. But so much changes, but there is one who never changes, one who stays the same. You know, this year we had a wonderful group of uh, graduates up here, and last year we had a wonderful group, and next year we'll have a, another wonderful group. And as faces change, The one thing that doesn't change is the one who created them, the one who saved them, the one who knows them, and that's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's Jesus. And so this summer, what I want to do is is look at the truth of who God is and talk about the fact that, that God doesn't change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so throughout the summer, we're going to look at different stories all throughout Scripture, all through this theme that, that God is the same today as he was in the story that we're going to read today, as he was in the time of King David, as he was in, in Acts, as he was all the way through the Gospels, that God is the same. And what we read about in this book, what we read about his character and his nature and who he is, is how he wants to work in our lives and in our world today. And so my hope and my prayer is that as we talk about the character of God this summer, is that expectation would rise, that faith would rise, that we would look at things that happen in here and say, God, you did it one time, do it again. Do it again in West Michigan. Do it again in lives that are far from you. Do it again in our families. Do it again in people who are sick and hurting and in need of healing. Do it again. Pour out your spirit again. And so this summer, we're going to talk about God's character, but we're also going to do something fun because Tyler and I have been talking And you know, from generation to generation, people have had this heart to seek the Lord, to worship the Lord with all that they are. But people have used different music styles to do that, a variety of music styles. Some of you came to know Jesus in the 70s and the Jesus uh, people movement and hippies and and people on the beach and and singing uh, songs just with their guitar and and, uh, having a riot. We're going to 
pull back some of those songs. And we're going to have a Sunday where it's about uh, just the 70s, music from the 70s, worship music from the 70s. Some of you came to faith uh, in the 80s, and you had Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and these people who are like, whoa, they just spoke to me. And your hair was big and full of Aquanet. And um, we're going to have a Sunday. If you don't, have, don't know what Aquanet is, talk to your older parents. Um, not that much older. I'm not going to say anything, Tanya. Um, but we're going to have songs from the 80s, worship songs from the 80s. Some of you may be in the 90s in those college years, and, and uh, you know, for those, again, who are older, and you came to faith in that era. We're going to have a Sunday where it's all songs from the 90s and the 2000s and then the 2010s and, and then today. And my hope and our hope is that you will see that, that people's hearts don't change, that there's a heart and a desire to worship the Lord, but music styles change. And music styles will change in the future, but our desire should always be that we want to worship the King of Kings and walk with him faithfully every single day. And so it's going to be fun. You're going to learn some uh, songs uh, maybe that are, are old. We're going to sing uh, maybe one Sunday just those old classic hymns, and maybe Tyler will be on the piano and just cranking away and, and singing Amazing Grace and Holy, Holy, Holy and all of that stuff. But uh, we're looking forward to that. But today I want to start in 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3, and if you want to open your Bibles to that, I'm just going to share this story. I'm going to read through it and then just highlight a couple things, and then we're going to pop into John 14 and 16 in a little bit. 1 Samuel 3, and this passage will be up on the screen. It says this, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, he was wearing readers, so that he could not see, he was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord, God, the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you have called. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, Lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. So we see here Samuel, who is 12 years old at this time, learning in the temple under Eli, Samuel was put at the temple at age four because his mom, who didn't have a child, cried out to the Lord, begged for a child, and the Lord heard her prayer, answered her prayer, and she said, if you answer my prayer, I will give my child to you. And so at age four, she brought Samuel to the temple to be taught by Eli. His mom, uh, Samuel's mom, Hannah, would come once a year give him a new robe probably, and, and then would see him once a year, interact with him, and then Eli, or I'm sorry, Samuel would grow up in the temple learning from Eli, learning under Eli. 
Now, it was interesting. Eli had a couple other sons, Hophnius and Phineas. Phineas. Yeah, Phineas. Hophnius and Phineas. These guys, Scripture says, Eli's own sons were worthless. They were worthless. And that's not my words. That's Scripture's words. They were worthless because their hearts were so far from the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. They were priests on the outside. They were very religious on the outside. But inside, their hearts were so far from God. They took advantage of the offering. They took advantage of people. And Scripture says that the Lord was going to raise up a faithful priest who would know his voice, who would be obedient to do what he said to do. And so Samuel, growing up in the temple as a little boy, ministering to the Lord while serving did I just go out? Got it? Hello? Right there? All right. So Samuel grew up in the temple, ministering to the Lord, assisting Eli. And I love that picture. For, for 12 years, uh, Samuel was growing up and just serving in the temple, taking care of the, the food, taking care of people, taking care of different things that needed to take care of uh, in the temple. Now, we see that the culture of that time... We see something pretty, like, actually discouraging. It says in, in verse uh, 1, it says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Now, we don't understand why. We don't know, know why this, this took place. Could it be that people's hearts were far from the Lord? There have been times where people's hearts in the Old Testament were far from the Lord, and the, the Lord was just quiet, just was silent. But I just think even if the word of God is rare... Our seeking shouldn't be. We should still be pursuing the Lord and hungry for the Lord, hungry for him to speak. But then we see that, that at that time, Eli, in verse 2, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God, which was lit every evening and would be lit all the way until the evening or morning hours, was still flickering. And there was Samuel lying down in the temple where the ark of, of God was. Samuel, laying in the temple, not in the Holy of Holies, just probably a room off to the side, but the temple was the, the place where the presence of God existed. And then we see that three times, actually four times, the Lord called out to Samuel. And what does Samuel do? I actually got to give Samuel a little credit because as soon as he hears this voice, you get this picture that he was obedient right away. He left right away, but he went to Eli and said, here I am, what do you need? Which made me think this week, that the voice of the Lord sounds a lot like a person. You know, think about that. Like Eli, like, or Samuel would hear the, his, his name. And we'll get to that in a little bit. He would hear his name, Samuel. And then he would think that it was Eli calling. The voice of the Lord. We want the voice of the Lord to be this big booming sound. And sometimes like he appeared to Moses in a, in a, a burning bush. Like there are supernatural things that happen in times where the voice of God is really, really loud. But I also believe that the voice of the Lord happens in the ordinary as well. And sometimes we can pass off like, oh, I'm hearing this or I'm sensing this. We can pass off the voice of the Lord for, oh, just a passing thought or just an ordinary voice. Here we see that Eli, or Samuel ran to Eli and the voice of God sounded a lot like Eli's voice. And it's in those ordinary moments, I just want to challenge us, in the ordinary moments of life that the Lord can speak. And so are we looking for the Lord to speak to us in the most ordinary way? But then you keep reading. And every time 
God called to Samuel. He used his name. He called him by name, which just reveals God's character. God's nature is, is one who is so personal. Long before Samuel knew who God was in a very intimate way, God knew Samuel. God knew his name. God saw him. God knew who he was. And now to you, maybe today, like perhaps that's, that's convicting because the truth is uh, today, like God knows your name. God sees you. There's nowhere, according to Psalm 139, that you can go apart from his presence, that he sees you. Maybe that's convicting, but for me, that is so comforting that even before I took hold of God, God had already ha had a hold on my life. God had already been uh, guiding me and leading me in ways that I don't e didn't even realize. Long before we ever recognized who God was, God knows your name. God knows my name. And so God is so personal in speaking to Samuel. Why is he this way? Because look at verse 7. It says this, now Samuel did not know the Lord and the word of God had not been revealed to him. Samuel was only 12. And I love this picture because Samuel at age 12 was busy in the temple doing different things. But he didn't know the Lord personally, having that, that personal encounter, that experience with the Lord. He hadn't recognized his voice. And you know, that is the transition that has to happen in all of our lives. We have to move from, from thinking that, okay, we're just coming and doing some religious activity to a relationship with the Lord. God wants to know each and every one of us. God wants to, to walk with each and every one of us. And this is so crucial because if you're in this room and maybe you're a graduate, maybe you're a young person, whatever, you may come to a gathering like this. You may know when to sing. You may know when to sit. You may know when, how to serve, all of that, but you don't know the Lord. You're just walking in a bunch of religious activity, which frankly is fine for a while. Like you're learning, you're growing, but that transition has to take place from uh, activity, from just coming to having this relationship with the Lord, to knowing him. Your parents' faith, as vibrant as it is, cannot be your faith. You cannot ride on the coattails of your parents and say, I'm good, or anybody else. Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, he says, this is eternal life. This is salvation. This is, this is what it means to have eternal life, that you know God, that you know him intimately, and Jesus whom he sent. And so I know that God is going to constantly knock at the door of each and every heart, inviting, begging, desiring relationship. This is what he desired with Samuel. He wanted to know him. That's what he desires out of you. And so God is personal. God is in the ordinary, but this is also what I love to see out of this passage is God is so persistent. Time after time, even, after, even when Samuel ran off to Eli, and, and Eli, like I think some people will give Eli a hard time, like shouldn't Eli have, have known what was going on? Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night or been woken up by a kid in the middle of the night? It takes a while to figure out what's going on. You're like, yeah, what day is it? What time is it? What's going on? I feel like Eli was like being woken up. He's older. He's like, I have no idea what's going on. Just go back to bed. But God is so persistent. And this is one of the things that I absolutely love about God is that he, according to C.S. Lewis, he's the hound of heaven. He's going to continue to chase after you and me and so many others because he desires that relationship. And so I love I love the prayer request that we had. 
prayers for people who don't know the Lord, people who don't have that relationship with Jesus. And our prayer has to be, God, keep being persistent, keep pursuing them, bring people and and events into their, their lives so that they come to know you. Like we can agree with the very character of God being so persistent. And so when Eli figures out what's going on, he tells Samuel, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back, lie down, and next time you hear this voice, I want you to sit there and say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I love that. And frankly, that should be our prayer every single day. Like, what if we woke up every single day and that was what we started the day with? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Because I think in that prayer, there are so many, it puts us in a proper relationship. Because he's saying, Eli says to Samuel, this is how I want you to say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. You are Lord. God, you are Lord. You are the boss. You are the one who knows everything. You are the one who uh, sees how everything runs. You are the one who has my best interest in mind. I am just your servant. I belong to you, yes, but I am here to be used by you. What if we did this every single day and waited for the Lord to speak? What I love about this is it's not complicated. It's not confusing. It's rather simple. And all throughout Scripture, this is written for the common person. Like, this should be our approach. Lord, speak for your servant hears and trust that he is going to speak. And what did Samuel do? It said he went back, he laid down, and he put himself in a position to hear from the Lord. I don't want us to miss that. The beauty of Samuel is he went there and he laid down and he waited for the Lord to speak. And then he said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. He was obedient. But he put himself in that position. And I just think like the thing that God wants for all of us, the thing that God has only ever wanted is he just wants all of us. He wants to have that relationship with us. And it's not just about salvation and saying, thank you, I'm saved from my sins, I'm going to heaven someday, that's great. No, it's, it's, that is the beginning and every single day walking in relationship with the Lord. This is what we must do every single day. This is what is so important in our lives. We all have so many voices speaking to us, so many people pulling for our time and attention. I don't care if you're the smallest to the oldest here. That is true of your life. So many people are speaking and saying, go do this, do this. So many good opinions. But the opinion that needs to be the loudest, the voice that needs to be the loudest in your life is the voice of God. For you to cry out and say, God, I desperately need to hear from you. I don't want to be conformed by culture. I don't want to be conformed. I don't want to like, appeal to the crowd. I don't want anybody's opinion to influence me. I need to know from you how you want me to live. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. That should be the cry of our heart. And especially on a day like today, which is Pentecost, which is the time that we celebrate and we remember the amazing gift that the Lord has given us in the Holy Spirit. I mean, you go back a couple thousand years. Jesus, before he ascended, he said to a group like this, he said, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, to the ends of the earth. You're going to speak for me. You're going to tell people about me. But don't get busy started with that until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you are clothed with power on high. And so they waited. 
And they didn't just wait, like kicking up their feet waiting. No, they were active in their waiting. They gathered together. It says they were of one mind and one heart, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And one time when they were devoting themselves to prayer in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they started to speak in different tongues, and different languages. And the thing was, people could understand what they're saying. And people were so confused. And they're like, these people are drunk. And it's like, no, they're not drunk. It's only like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. No, they were completely transformed by the power of God that was in them. And they were empowered to speak God's word with great boldness. God transformed ordinary people into powerful proclaimers of his word, all because he filled them with his spirit. See, and I think so often I, and maybe you do too, we underestimate or we forget the gift that we've been given. And I just want to read out of John 14 and a little bit of 16. These are not my words. These are words of Jesus. And this is the gift that Jesus promised in the Holy Spirit. This is the gift that he gives to us. And what I love is like we talk about God speaking to Samuel. And we think, oh, that happened years ago. That was in the Old Testament. But the truth is God wants to do that today. It's not just with one person. He wants to pour out his spirit on all and speak to all of us and guide all of us. And so Jesus, when he was promising the Holy Spirit, he said, he said this. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he will dwell within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. He goes on and he says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. No, let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For you have heard me say, I am going away and I will come to you if you love me and you have rejoiced in me. And then chapter 16, verse 8, verse 7, sorry. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin concerning, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I mean, these are the words of Jesus. He said, it's better that I go away. Because I will send my spirit to you, the spirit who is a helper, the spirit who is a guide, the spirit who will instruct you, the spirit that will convict you of sin, saying, I want so much more for you, the spirit that will empower you to proclaim the gospel. We cannot go through our life thinking that we can do this on our own. We love to be independent people. Oh, I got this. I'll just live my life. 
But we need to be so dependent and so hungry for the Holy Spirit to speak to us every single day. I think too often we're like little kids when they're two or three years old. Those terrible twos, those frustrating times. When you go from them being a little baby and then they get some independence and you're rushing out of the door and you need them to put their shoes on and they look at you and you just need to get their shoes on so you can go and they look at you and they go, I do it. And you're like, oh, you can't do it, but I guess I got to give you an opportunity to try to do it. And then they try and they make a mess of it and then you fix it up and then you go on, on their way. But I just thought of that phrase, I do it. So often, that's how we want to live the Christian life. I do it. Thank you for giving me everything, but you know what? I do it. I do it. What if we, instead of being independent, we're so dependent every single day, and we just said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Your servant hears. Fill me. Completely immerse me in your spirit and guide me today. Fill me so that I can proclaim your goodness to this world. Because that's why the Spirit was sent, to empower us to proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus, so that this world will see Jesus. And so as Tyler and the team comes up, they're going to sing the song that you're going to become familiar with throughout this summer, Same God. It's where we're getting this, um, this kind of conversation from. And what I love is in the chorus, it says, oh God, my God, I need you. Let that be your cry. Let that be your desire. But I also believe that there are some in this room that on this Pentecost, you have never fully surrendered and said, Holy Spirit, I need all of you. I need to be baptized in you, which is really just being immersed in you. I need you to, to take over my entire life. If that's you, there are going to be people out in the lobby that would love to pray for you. There will be people that would love to just pray that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that there are, are some in here that are tired, that are exhausted, that have poured themselves out. And you see this in Scripture where people ask us to be filled with the Spirit. And so if you're depleted today, I would encourage you to go into the lobby and just allow people to pray for you that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can go out from this place fully energized and fully uh, compelled to do the work that God has called you to do. So let's stand together. And if you'd be willing to pray for people, you could go out into the lobby right now. That would be great. Father, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that, that how you spoke to Samuel, you want to speak to us today. And even more so because of the Holy Spirit that you poured out into our lives. And so we just declare, come Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Renew us. Restore us. Revive us. Give us dreams and visions. Empower us to speak your words. I speak against just this coward um, nature that, that lives in me and others. That would just go in the name of Jesus, that we would be bold proclaimers of the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Bold proclaimers of the gospel. It's all for your glory, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.